I wouldn't even know how to do that. What do you do? Just like walk up to random people and go, hey, blah, 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 sports. Sports Empire, the podcast, a part of the DynastySportsEmpire.com podcast network. Dare I say the flagship podcast of the Dynasty Sports Empire podcast network. We bring you the latest in sports and fantasy sports with, shall we say, a lighter approach to what most people consider a very serious undertaking. On the show today, episode 87, recording on December 13th, 2022. NFL week 14 was a wild one that sets up a ton of playoff questions with four games to go for everyone. World Cup final is half set, and we go into MLB hot stove season, which I love, so we have lots to talk about there as well. All right, so let's get right into it. As always, I'm your host, Jeff Roman, and alongside me tonight and every night is a guy who has been my co-host on this podcast for two years now, Tim Reinhart. Welcome, Tim, and happy pod anniversary. Yeah, so this is, it's, is it exactly two years? It's this week. This it's week. This week. I think it was, we started like on the 15th or the 16th. So two yeah. years, that's... 52 times 2, that's 104 weeks. Yeah. We've done 87 shows. That's a pretty good hit rate. Yeah. So pretty we, good hit rate. We've, we've, we've taken our, our bye weeks and our, yeah. our little off seasons. But um, for the, yeah, we've, we've been, we've been grinding. We sure have. Well, we absolutely. pat ourselves on the back for a minute. Yeah, absolutely. I'm not, I'm not afraid to pat myself on the back. <laughs> no, it's been, uh, it's been a lot of fun. Get, uh, gets us talking. We, talk about sports uh you know um and and my honestly my part my favorite part and we probably would do this anyway but like now we just have like more incentive to like stay in touch about like yes stuff that happens during the week and uh you know uh that's just it's cool you know it, uh, yeah we definitely we definitely text more about sports now yeah which is awesome so we, we stay in touch yeah. and then and then i gotta thank you on on the air for these um for these cards that you sent my way Sure. Um, a couple Garrett yeah. Wilson cards, uh, a Lars Newtbar, who is my new favorite Cardinals player, uh, or my new favorite player, period, probably, um, and a Sauce Gardner. So these are yeah, these are top sure. notch. I'm very, I'm, I'm very glad that the Cardinals did not trade Lars Newtbar during the time <laughs> in which I was waiting for that to arrive at my house before I sent it to you. Yeah. Uh, now they can trade tra- tra- yeah. away, right? No. Yeah. Uh, they got <laughs> no. They got to resign into a long term deal now. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Yeah. There's a, I, uh, you know, been getting into a little bit of the uh, sports cards on eBay. Those are, it's actually kind of similar to, you know, if you treat, I'm not necessarily doing this because I'm just looking for things that I like the look and, but if you treat it kind of like an investment, it's almost like fantasy football in a way, right? Where you're betting that this player is going to be worth more yeah. in the future. Right. So a sauce gardener, a Garrett Wilson, right. Um, the, the, you're, you know, you're imagining that they will be more valuable um, going forward. Lars Newbar, right? Another example of that. So, um, it's an interesting market, so to speak on, on eBay there, you can find some, some deals and sometimes you think you're getting a deal and it gets swiped away from you at the last second. So, right. Well, I mean, it's, uh, I, I like that analysis. Uh, the, it, it is, it's, it's almost like, yeah, a fantasy football buying a stock, like whatever, yeah. you know, yeah. One of those. It's a, mar- it's, a it's a market, you know, you can see, they, they actually uh, lean into that a little bit on there because they, they know what you've purchased and they can tell you, oh, you know, what's it selling for now versus what you bought it for. Right. So they definitely lean into that. But, you know, mostly for me, I like to like look at guys that I like and it's mostly like, you know, mid 2000s St. Louis Rams and, uh, you know, Cardinals from like 1980. That's pretty much now, the, the cards exclusively I have. Kind of a nerdy question here. Are those... Um, are those Rams cards more valuable because the Rams are no longer in St. Louis? Like, because um, you, you can't like, yeah, like yeah. You, you can't find a St. Louis card, you know, anymore. I, I want to say they are not because of the de- lack of demand. Right. Okay. So the Los Angeles fans are not necessarily collecting those. And the St. Louis fans are not aren't really, really doing it either. Those. Yeah. Okay. So I think they're kind of like, uh, you know, it's kind of in a little like weird spot where 
nobody's that interested in them except for me really um (laughs) so um i I find them interesting and i like to you know think about the the heyday back in you know between 2000 and 2005 when the the rams were like really hot stuff so right there's an element of like you know kind of remembering what it was like to be a kid for a few you know allowing yeah. yourself like a yeah a minute it's, it's be... all nostalgia yeah yeah it's all nostalgia right you know even baseball cards in general like my parents brought me a binder of, of baseball cards that i had from from the 80s and it's just like you know just looking at you know old names and you're like oh i remember that guy and looking at stats and you know it's uh i actually you know enjoy it it's uh they're they're fun to have around to look at and uh fun to explore the the new ones that come out yeah agreed all right well thank you thank you for sending those sure i'm glad you like them this was baseball card corner with tim and jeff now (laughs) uh new segment (laughs) yeah new segment um so let's uh let's use that to segue into the nfl here yes um so i guess here's a good question about how we want to go here so let's talk about the games um a couple of interesting ones and then we can kind of segue into what I want to talk about with four weeks left, you know, who's in, who we think is going to be in and out. Yeah, let's right. look at some, let's look at some odds. Let's look at who's where. Um, and, and we may just like kind of intertwine it, but let's, let's start with, um, I think one of the bigger games, interestingly was, uh, the 49ers absolutely yeah. destroying Tampa Bay. Um, Brock Purdy's first start against the Tampa Bay defense. Who's, uh, you know, they're fine. They're pretty good. Um, and absolutely smashed him uh, through through three touchdowns, and you know yep. his parents are like crying in the stands, and and Tom and the 49ers defense also stops Tom Brady basically you know zero points, one touchdown at the end, which was pointless. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know the Niners put up a big a big notice here, and uh, with their third string quarterback. Yeah, I mean, he, it's not he didn't go light up the world, uh, but he did what needed to be done and did it efficiently. And you know, maybe he didn't have to light up. I didn't watch a lot of the game, but maybe he didn't have to light up the world because they were in such control of it. Um, you know, it does help to get two hundred yards on the ground, which which they did. Um, but yeah, I mean, it looks like he's got command of the offense, and their defense is so imposing that. Um, if they can hold any team they play to, you know, under, you know, these single digit points, their offense, it seems has the capacity to go out and score. So really, I mean, you gotta, even, even with Brock Purdy, I feel like you have to score to beat San Francisco. You got to somehow get into the, get into the twenties and not a lot of teams are, are going to be able to do that. I don't think against them. Right. Absolutely. And, and I think Brock Purdy is almost like a little bit of a Mike White situation in that I think the guys are playing hard for him. And I'll, I'll share, I was listening to um, ESPN daily and they had Alex Smith on Alex Smith, obviously pretty well connected in San Francisco and Brock Purdy, right. Last pick in the draft, uh, third string quarterback going into the season, his nickname uh, apparently in the locker room is Big blank Brock, you know, fill in the blank. Yeah. What do you, what do you think is rhymes with Brock? But like, I've never been in um, a football locker room and especially not an NFL one. And for a third string quarterback to have a nickname like that amongst the other guys, uh, you know, kind of shows his uh, uh, standing. Yeah. And, and them, it's, you know? it, you're right. It, it, like, it's like the Mike F and white stuff. Like, Right. It's uh, and I do think you're right that there is an element of, um, I think it's with Mike White too. These these guys were third string quarterbacks, and they not only have like performed competently, they've performed more than that. Um, right. And I think that there's an element of like, hey, you busted your butt to get to a place, and I think yeah, and in an NFL locker room, there is something to be said about like people admiring mental and physical toughness. And yeah, it seems like Brock Purdy has, has demonstrated that. Now, I mean, it's so much, you know, 
who who knows if they who knows what happens if they lose say the next game and he throws three picks but you you think you know that he's built up uh, a little bit of a bank account with those guys and um, that even if the inevitable rookie mistakes come uh, they're still going to back him yeah and un- unlike unlike Mike White there's really no nobody behind him breathing down his neck right yeah. <laughs> everybody's hurt other than you know the other guy behind him is josh johnson, josh johnson. who's been on four, 14 nfl teams right um so he's not exactly challenging to start there so he's got a little bit of runway where he can make some of those rookie mistakes here and hopefully get those ironed out but you know it seems like and i didn't watch a lot of this game either but based on the description it seemed like it wasn't a vanilla offense that they were running they challenged him to throw it um pretty frequently and they're up so much and that they could just run and run, run, run for many yards um, towards the end of the game. Okay. But um, you know, once one segment stuck out to me that I, that I was listening to where he threw a pick and it was um, called back for defensive holding. And the next play um, Shanahan throws like an, an out and up like a double move, like big time throw um to Ayuk and he does it for a touchdown yeah, so it kind of it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't like really um protecting him in the way that you would expect from a rookie quarterback he was kind of like challenging him a little bit and maybe that was the way to beat the Tampa Bay defense the Todd Bowles defense is challenge him like that but the fact that they still went ahead and did it even though it was Brock Purdy shows a lot uh as well um and it just it you know it makes it even more surprising to me I guess uh that they traded three first round picks for Trey Lance um, when they had Garoppolo and they obviously can find an archetype of quarterback that they like uh, as a value player in the draft. So um, that one's going to be interesting. We'll we'll table that, but it's going to be interesting in the off season with those three guys. It'll certainly be fun, fun for uh, fun for, us to watch how he performs down the stretch uh, just to see what he's able to accomplish um, with that team. Cause they do seem playoff bound. He assuming he can stay healthy and you know, God willing, he will uh, what kind yep. of noise he'll be able to make. Yes. It'd be definitely be, uh, be interesting to watch. Um, uh, Mike our- white uh, jets, 49ers, Super Bowl battle of the third strings. Let's bring that, <laughs> bring that on. Imagine the two weeks leading the, up to that the, thing. Woo. The uh, yeah, the stories just write themselves there. Uh, <laughs> so uh, another another game this week that um, we talked about last week, which is uh, the Lions were favored over. You know, the five win Lions were favored over the ten win Minnesota um, Vikings. They were. Uh, a lot, there was a lot of gnashing of teeth on that uh, the whole week, and. It turned out that the people that set the lines knew do know what they're doing. The algorithms uh, and, know. And the li- <laughs> yeah, the algorithms know, and they they pretty solidly beat Minnesota. Obviously, not a lot of defense played in that game. Still went over the high total of fifty two. Um, so, I guess let's talk about the game first. Uh, were you impressed by the Lions here beating Minnesota or, you know, based on the line, they did what they expected to do. So they still covered Minnesota's as you, as you pointed out um, early on, Minnesota's like expected win value is, was very low. Um, So this kind of a return to the mean kind of game um, has been expected for a while. And they, got away with one against the Patriots. They got away with one against the Jets. Both of those were at home, so they had that benefit, and then you know it caught up with them on the road against the Lions, and now the Lions look like they are, you know, not I wouldn't say that they're in the driver's seat, but they certainly have a realistic opportunity uh, to make some, make some noise come playoff time. So they are they are plus three hundred to make the playoffs. Would you like three to one to make the playoffs? Some good their value schedule there. Is their schedule is Jets? Obviously, they have a, t- a tough game against the Jets in, in at the Jets this week. They had the suddenly resurgent Panthers the next right. week. The Bears, which is probably you know they're going to be pretty heavily favored yep. there, and the Packers. Um, who knows what to expect from the Packers? The last week of the season is Aaron Rodgers going to yeah. pack it in? Uh, no pun intended there. Uh, so 
I, I don't think they have a, quite a cakewalk, but looking at it, it seems like they probably have to go four and zero. So they're going to have to. Ten wins. They're going to have to jump. It looks, and I don't. I, I don't know who holds the the tiebreaker here, but they would have to jump both Seattle and or one of the Giants slash Commanders. So somebody's going right. to. Well, I. You know what? I was just going to say somebody's going to uh, lose. Between the Giants and the Commanders, but maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. <laughs> maybe not. Maybe another time. Another time. <laughs> um, yeah. Seattle is the one that I'm maybe a little more thinking is likely to uh, to sort of move out of move out of the way. Um, so if you assume that whoever wins the Commanders Giants game, assuming somebody wins, is in that driver's seat, then the Lions. Um, yeah, they still have two two teams to jump. So, right. Yeah, I think winning yeah. winning all of them is going to be uh, is going to be tough. That their schedule is not the cakewalk that say the Chargers have. Um, but I don't know. I I, I don't yeah, see the I, Giants. I, it could happen because the Giants are not playing well, and Seattle's coming back down to earth too. Um, so I think they could possibly do it with three and one. Um, right. but probably that's, they, they, they probably got to get to nine wins. I don't see. Yeah. yeah. They, they would, they would need to be at least nine, probably 10. Cause that tie really, really hurts them. If one of those teams lost, right. And they also were at seven and six, uh, that, that would that give tie, them yeah. a, a much easier, like they could get in with, with a three and one. Um, but that tie makes it so that say if the giants go two and two, yeah. right they're, so, they're nine, six and one, and you got to get to 10, to get past them. In a way they're like it, so it looks like they're a game back in a way they're really a game and a half. Yep. Yep. So they, yep, they, they got need that to half do game. two games better than the Giants. And depending yep. on who has the tiebreaker with the uh, with Seattle maybe even the same thing. So right. um it's going to be a tough road um but you know maybe maybe they threw those pants away after all. We'll see. Right. Yeah, 3 to 1 feels right. I couldn't quite pull the trigger on that one um but just because uh, you know the giants and washington obviously play each other they could tie again um but i think there's there's just a long it's a long way i would say it's probably more like feels like more like four to one like yeah, four wins I, in a I row think it, it does feel more like four or five to one yeah yeah all right so let's talk about um the other team let's 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 stay in the nfc here uh so carolina smashes seattle pretty much um so you know one thing i thought about and and heard about this week is that if not for dj moore taking off his helmet after a game-winning touchdown um and new orleans blowing a 14 uh three lead with three minutes left carolina would have been in, in the driver's seat yeah in the nfc south after firing their coach, after you know getting rid of Baker Mayfield, that was their quarterback starting for a while there. Um, after trading, no, they didn't trade Burns, um, but they traded McCaffrey. So you know, like after all that, uh, they're not in the driver's seat, but they're just one game behind Tampa Bay, um, and they do play Tampa Bay. So, are they still alive? What about yeah, what about Carolina? I, did you see the interview or the comment their coach made? Where he was like, we're. Uh, it seems like they've they've rallied around a few things, I guess. And you you always like to say that football is kind of an emotional, an emotional sport. Well, yep. in in this, I think it was a post game interview. He's like, these guys have had everything against them from, you know, losing their their head coach to losing star players, and then he said to um, to either management or ownership trying to tank. <laughs> it's like mm, so it yeah. seems like they they've kind of rallied around the no one you know us against the world mentality and it's uh i don't know it's working now they they're they're probably in the situation where the only path that they have is through the division um yeah. i guess I theoretically yeah. they're still alive but that would take a lot of um a lot of things to happen so yeah they're i think they're alive yeah, I mean, I think so. They've got the Steelers this week. They're they're favored in that one. At home, <laughs> they've got they have the, the Steelers, right? At home, yeah. yep, they're favored. They have the Lions uh, the week after, which is setting up to be like, a, you know, probably the loser goes home kind yeah. of game. So that one will be super interesting on on Christmas Eve. Um, 
And then on New Year's Day, they have the Buccaneers, which is basically going to be for the division at that point. And then they have the Saints, who's definitely like Saints could be out of it and the Panthers could be still in it. So, you know, I think a three, an easy three and one there um, would get them to where they at. Three and one would get them to eight and nine. <laughs> that <laughs> and, might do and, it. And it might do it. They might do it if the Buccaneers, yeah. uh, you know, kind of falter down the stretch. So, uh, and especially losing the head to head there. Uh, so that one is very interesting. That one is, was three, three thirty to one. I, I had a, uh, I had a, I, I put one down on that one with the, with a free bet. Um, so that one I think is, is more interesting than, uh, to me at the same price than the lions, just because they are one game, one solid game, not one and a half back and they have a head to head, um, coming up. Yeah, um, it, it it's it, it kind of like makes your brain do like um, gymnastics to kind of figure out all the different like opportunities, trying to figure out who's got what tiebreaker, and you know, uh, it's yeah. just like a lot. Yeah, of- don't get me started. I don't understand tiebreakers. I don't even look at them. Uh, <laughs> maybe if we get to one game left, and there's a you know, yeah, solid, right. We're still only little- one one page left of tiebreakers to look at. Right. All right. What uh, what was the other? All right. So the one other one is the Jaguars yes. smoking the Titans. Um, do you think the Jaguars at also at five and eight, similar to Carolina, are live? They're two games back of the Titans for the division there, and they're also two games back of you know kind of the last playoff spot. Yeah. the The problem with the last playoff spot is there's three teams there. Um, yep. So. And maybe, who knows, Miami looks like they're very close to joining that mix as well. So, um, yeah, the the only pathway is through the division. Do they play the Titans again? That's that's a great question. Let me ask. Let me let me. Uh, I had almost all of them up except for the Jags. So, all right. So they uh, they have the Cowboys. They play them at the, the last Jets, week of the season, and they play in the last week of the season. Yeah. So they're home against the Cowboys at the Jets on a short week. Yep. At the Titans, home. Or excuse me, at the Texans, home against the Titans. Yeah, I mean that game may may matter at the end there. Yeah, it, it could matter. But I mean, it, they could pull. They could pull even. Um, if they could pull even before that week, they would have to. They'd have to pull one on either their first two, Cowboys or Jets. Um, take the Texans to go be two and one. So, um, you know, all the Titans would have to be is one and two, right? Um, and then then you're then you're really cooking. So the so, the Titans, yeah, you got to look at them. They have let's look at their schedule. The Chargers, the Chargers. at the Chargers, which. I don't know. Like three weeks ago, I would have said that's yeah. that's Titans easy. Um, home against the Texans. Home yeah. against the Cowboys at the Jaguars. So yeah. they could be looking at two and they could two. Be one and they could be looking at well, they could be a one and two going into the game where the Jaguars. Oh, you're right, right, right. Yeah, one, one and two going, going into that game. Yeah. So that, that could be that game very much could be for the division. I think um, I think you're right. I think they're alive, but through the division doorway only. Yes, yes, I, I think you're right there. Um, let me let me see if I can pull up the Jacksonville Jaguars to make the playoffs. I had it. Oh, it's regular season wins is all I have. Okay, I guess they don't have that up. Um, all right, so. Yeah, I think it would it would require kicking the Titans out um, through the division. Uh, another kind of a South division uh, team that <laughs> two South divisions at winning winning uh, eight and nine. That would be interesting, but uh, it would be a really kind of a, a big leap for the Jaguars, I think, for sure. Yeah, uh, especially after the year that they went through last year. So, yeah. All right, so let's um let's do quick it on world cup and then um baseball and then we can come back we'll to come our, back to our games okay. picks. yeah yeah all right so world cup final is not set we have half of it argentina beat croatia three nothing uh, uh down today. goes croatia 
Down tough, goes Croatia. Tough so one. It's it's up to Morocco or France in the other semifinal uh, tomorrow, Wednesday, uh, and Morocco is vying to become the first non. Uh, South America and European team to be in the World Cup final. Uh, France is looking to repeat from last year, become the first repeat champion, I think, in a very, very long time. Yeah. Um, and I believe Argentina, France was the final last year or, or four years ago. So ah. it could be a repeat, repeat final again. Um, that, you know, that's certainly what's favored, but Morocco has surprised a lot of people so far. So I'm not going to put anything past them. Yeah. Um, Who are you rooting for? You know, I think I'm going to be kind of a, a little bit of a, a sap and say I'm rooting for Argentina. Um, really? Leo Messi, Leo Messi uh, hasn't never won a World Cup title, obviously. Uh, this would be his last world cup okay and to kind of like go out on top with such a kind of iconic player who famously you know hasn't won that much with argentina um i think would be you know a nice little thing unless i mean morocco would be a great story too um but i really don't think that france is gonna lose so um given the rematch if it's argentina against france i i lean towards argentina okay um, I'm I'm definitely rooting for Morocco. Um, I I love uh, I love the storyline and uh, the underdog feel that they have, and uh, they've you know they've been uh, David to everyone's Goliath so far from the group stage on. Now, although again, I think uh, our guy Ben told us to look out for Morocco, if I remember right. Yep. Um, yep. Gave, he gave us a gave them as a dark horse. In this, so uh, for the prognosticating uh, element of our podcast, I'm rooting for Morocco, but also I think it would be fun to fun to have a um, like you said, the first non South American, non European country uh, to make it to the finals would be would be fun to see. Yep, yep, absolutely. Uh, a victory for us in North America, Asia, Africa you know, the Middle East, uh, any, anywhere, not Europe and South America, Antarctica, victory for Antarctica <laughs> to get Morocco in there. All, all the, all the <laughs> Antarctica's team, not, not, not ranked in the world rankings, but no, you know, no, no, no. Yeah. Um, all right. So let's go to MLB, uh, not baseball. So in. Yeah. You know, it was funny because I, uh, last week I was like, Oh, I think judge will go to the, to the giants. And then almost immediately after we stopped recording, it was like judge went back to the Yankees, um, a sizable contract, huge raise on what he was offered in the off season last year, obviously yep. after a MVP, you know, record breaking season, uh, you saw this coming, right? Yankee for life, basically at this point, what, what is your reaction when you saw that? So I guess it, it really just, uh, it took that extra year from, you know, from, uh, so we were we were right in our speculation that Judge wanted that, like, wanted that label. Wanted, like, Yankee for life. Uh, um, so much so that he, it looks like he did take significantly less money to return to the Yankees. Because uh, I forget what the San Diego deal was, but it looked like they were offering, um, if I remember right from MLB Trade Rumors, $400 million. Um so it came down, as I understand it, to that ninth year. Hal Steinbrenner, Hal Steinbrenner called him. was like, you want to be a Yankee for life? Yes. Um, what's it going to take? And he said, give me the ninth year and it's done. Um, and that's, uh, that's how the story apparently went. So it's cool um, to see a player bet on himself the way Judge did make the make the payday that he did and at the same time stay you know we, we have this like nostalgic thing like oh players don't stay on the same team like Mickey Mantle was well, like well Mickey Mantle didn't have a choice okay so like right. he, he <laughs> right. couldn't he couldn't ever leave uh he was bound to that team for his entire career so uh you know it is in this moment where a player can pick and then does pick to have that legendary possible legendary career with one team 
um, that is, uh, I think that's cool. So congrats to all of them. Uh, I think the Yankees still have more work to do because they're still pretty much the same team they were last year, which was a team with flaws. Um, so now are they going to open the checkbook up in, you know, some other ways? Yeah, I, I think, uh, I guess despite my, uh, my guess is last week, I, I guess I thought I was going to be surprised if, if New York did not do whatever it was yeah. takes to keep him. Um, I think if they didn't keep him, it would have been a kind of a big, egg on the face of their of cashman and the ownership well, there. and let me ask you let me ask you this question um so how much do you think the fact that the mets have been on this tremendous spending spree influenced that decision to bring him back does that play a role in it at all i think everybody's spending you know san diego spending la spending well i guess i mets just spending, mean you know the new york versus new york like battle for the back page that the Yankees can't be looking like they're, um, you know, uh, stingy is the wrong word, but like that they're, you know, pinching their pennies um, or their millions, so to speak, when the team, you know, just a couple miles away is spending boatloads of cash to bring in every free agent from uh, this country and others. (laughs) <laughs> right. So, I mean, I guess, I guess, thinking about the Yankees, I think about like they're pretty much a championship or bust team every year. Yeah. Um. So, and maybe this is a non-New York centric uh, point of view, but for me, the the battle, you know, the 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 um, uh, sports page type battle between the Mets and the Yankees, uh, I think, isn't quite as important as you know being the Yankees and your competition is everyone, right? Your competition is San Francisco is San Diego for signing your best players for, you know, for, you know, your competition is the Red Sox is, is the Dodgers in the world series type competition. So I think that's kind of what they um, need or, or do look at, I guess, in my opinion. Um, So less about the back page, but more about the news cycle. Yeah. Yeah. More about like, Hey, we need, we, you know, they make a lot of money and I think it is about the money too. Like if, if you don't, if you're not spending this on Aaron judge, what are you going to spend it on? Um, yeah. So it, it makes sense to me that they, they went ahead and, and ponied it up. Um, so nine years, 360 million for the, for the final number. Life, life changing, uh, those absolutely. generational changing contracts. Yeah, Absolutely. Um, so speaking of generational changing contracts, uh, San Diego then losing out on judge. Uh, they also lost out. Let's, well, let's, let's go a little bit more chronologically. They lost out on Trey Turner. Yeah. Went to, uh, Philadelphia to play, to play shortstop there. Obviously one of the big holes in the, um, I almost said Eagles in the Phillies lineup was shortstop where they're playing Bryson Stott, um, who was fine, uh, you know, a young player, but you know, not exactly, um, you know, somebody that you have in the, in the middle of your lineup. So, uh, they, the Phillies signed him to a huge contract and then the San Diego goes out and kind of like, uh, rebound. It was like a rebound signing, signing Xander Bogarts to an 11 year contract. Uh, I'm trying to find the number, but I, it was so high that I don't even really remember what it was. 11 year, 280 million contract. Um, I, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I like Xander Bogarts, um, but that is quite a lot for a team in San Diego who I'm pretty sure has a shortstop. So they do. what was your thought on that one? It's also a lot for a 30 year old that, yeah, for a 30 year old. Um, right. Who already, pl- who plays a premium position, whereas like judge, it's already in an outfield, you know, right corner outfield DH type role already. So what, you know, yeah. What conversations have been had about switching to a, to a second base position at some point in the future? Um, uh, you know, they, they do, they have a third baseman, they got a shortstop. So like it, it, it does, but I guess, you know, their shortstop is a volatile 
uh, entity right now. Um, right. At the very least with Xander Bogarts, you know you're going to get you – know, he's been relatively healthy and uh, has shown to be at this stage of his career one of the better players in baseball. And, you know, is he going to be like that in five years? Eh, I don't know. Um, but, you know, I, I, to me this is one of those things, and I think we're seeing it in, when the offers are leaking – is that the Padres have to over for whatever reason the Padres have to overspend, right? Um, you know, which you think maybe they wouldn't have to. I mean, like that's a that's a talented team, and they're in San Diego, and I don't know, maybe the taxes have something to do with it too. Like, uh, I guess because you know, I think California taxes are are relatively high, and so if you're getting offered a contract in say Texas, like. The money is obviously very different because the sales or not sales tax, uh, state income tax. But it does seem like they feel like they need to overpay because I don't think anybody was giving Xander Bogarts eleven years. So, right or, or two hundred eighty million. Yeah. One of the th- one of the things that I have seen is that the contracts seem longer um, than usual. Like Brandon Nimmo signed eight years with the Mets. I don't. Um, yeah, that seemed like a lot. To me. Yeah. So good player. Obviously, a player I like a lot. I had on my fantasy team several years. Um, one of the things I have seen is that with the newly um, enabled luxury tax, uh, that it is based on average annual value. So you can o- not almost. I mean, you're still going to have to pay it, but you're you're um, spreading the pain out by giving out a longer contract mm-hmm. with the same amount of money, right? So Xander Bogarts, is he going to play when he's 41? I don't know, probably not, but he's going to collect his 25 million, you know, average annual value that year, uh, whether, you know, he's sitting on the bench or, or starting at shortstop. Um, but for this year, right, to get the 280 million in Xander's pockets, it also uh, saves them a little bit of tax room. So that's what I've seen about that, which makes a little bit of sense why the years have seen seemed so much <laughs> higher. Yeah, you know, you've seen one or two get that long contract pools, a Rod, you know, Judge, that kind of level. But like, you know, Nimmo, Bogarts, you know, that kind of level, getting many, many years, is kind of a you know, I think it's a, a tax avoidance uh, structure. If that makes right. sense. Right. You know, and whether Xander Bogart's got nine years or 11 years probably doesn't matter to him. He's not right. going to sign a massive free agent contract at 39 anyway. So what's the two years to him? Right. Exactly. It's all guaranteed, right? So it's nine years, 280, uh, but versus 11 years, 280 uh, makes a lot of difference to the team because that average annual value pushes them into the tax yeah. further. Right. So just something, to, just something to look out for. If, if especially if we see longer, longer contracts going and um, trying to get, you know, it's not around anything. It's not like uh, salary cap games like we see in the NFL, but it's just a uh, a different way of spreading out a contract so that you can, um, you know, avoid the tax now and and you know pay pay later. Yeah. Uh, buy now, pay later. A little situation. Right, um, right. Well, good, good. That's, uh, I had not thought of that. That makes a lot of sense. Okay. Um, and I guess the, the last one, which seems a little bit smaller, but for our hometown team, Cardinals signed uh, William Con- Is it William? Uh, Wilson? Wilson. I get them all mixed up. I get the, I get the Contreras brothers mixed up. Um, Wilson Contreras from the Cubs signs with the Cardinals to fill Yadier Molina's shoes. Um, so that, I guess... Seems like a natural uh, fit there. Cardinals needed a catcher. He's a catcher. He's a good one. Uh, he's a good catcher. A good hitter. Better, probably better hitter than the Cardinals are used to having a catcher, um, except for like you know a couple of peak yachty years. Um, so I think a good fit. I'm happy with it. You know, money doesn't mean really that much, <laughs> as we see. It's not anywhere near this 280 number. Yeah, the you know 87. 87 over five. I actually don't know how old he is. Um, if he's uh, like how well he'll, he'll hold up over the lifetime of that contract. Um, but you know, for, for catchers, for someone that's gonna, um, hit 20 home runs a year, probably bat the 240 to 250 range. Um, 
and you know the sort of sweet aspect of drawing him away from the Cubs. Uh, think it's a good signing. Yeah, and absolutely. And he's thirty, uh, but okay. I think just just like uh, a lot of these contracts, maybe even the the presence of the DH actually probably helps keep him in the lineup longer. Um, you know, as he's up there towards 34, 35, right? He can uh, not have to catch every day and keep DH um, and keep his bat in the lineup. So I think that the having the DH is important there because it helps, you know, as we saw with Pools, an aging player, um, but could be in the lineup a lot just by, just because of the DH. So it's great. Yeah. Um, there was one other thing I was going to say, and now I can't remember it. Um Oh, and it'll be nice for the they they haven't had catcher offensive production in uh in a couple of years. So, yep. this will, yep. you know, uh, again, hopefully he m- maintains his health and uh plays 120 games like he normally does and uh is able to put up the the power numbers and that'll be a nice benefit that the Cardinals haven't had since like the peak Yachty years in the mid 2010s yeah exactly yeah having having a bat there will will make a big uh difference because you know it it's one place that they very obviously needed to improve based on who they had right um ivan herrera or uh, andrew kisner wasn't gonna really you know move the needle and definitely gonna hit ninth pretty much the whole year um so i think upgrading there will make a big difference yeah to their offense um, any any other signings I missed? I tried to go through them for the last week and and see if I I grabbed them all. The um, did the Mets then go get they got a Japanese pitcher? Yeah, I believe. Senga? Yeah. Uh, so there's and yeah. there's a Japanese hitter that is coming as well. Um, who just signed with the? It's, that was sort of the odd thing that the Red Sox gave ninety million. Um, to um. Again, I don't know his name off the top of my head. Uh, who I guess is the most productive hitter in, in Japan, right? Or the last few seasons, um, but wouldn't pony up the money for Xander Bogarts, right? So there, there are a couple of uh, a couple of Japanese players that are coming. That uh, and, you know, it's always always fun to see and watch how players from a different league like that come in make the adjustment and then the counter adjustments are made, you know, and there's a lot, obviously on, on a lot of sides, like big names to live up to like Ichiro and Hideki Matsui um, and, you know, Hideo Nomo. And like there, there's uh, probably also a lot of pressure that comes along with those, with those signings and those players. So um, I always kind of, kind of find it interesting to, to see the adjustments that happen and, how those players perform and whether or not their numbers in Japan are, you know, transferable here. So I guess just from a baseball nerd standpoint, I like, I like those, but there's, like you said, there's a lot of money being thrown around and it's these guys that have not played a single pitch in major league baseball are, are seeing a lot of money thrown to them. Yeah. I, I, that's a good call. Cause I love the, I love the signings from Japan, Korea, um, you know, all of those signings of guys that either are posted or super young or whatever. Like it's, as you said, it's very um, mysterious what you will see because a lot of these guys even adjust their, the way that they pitch when they come to the U S as well. So um, the Red Sox outfielder was Matsuyaka Yoshida. Yes. Yoshida. That is it. Yes. Yeah. So they gave him $90 million over five years. Um, Kotai Senga is the pitcher that the Mets signed. And there's one other guy that is interesting, um, Shintaro Fujinama, who's a, a as a, if I remember correctly, uh, a pitcher who was highly touted when he was young, um, but hasn't quite lived up to it. So he's a kind of a guy that uh, I think if you get in, in the right place, maybe you're unlocking that potential that you saw when he was young. So all of these guys are very, um, you know, interesting to me. So. Um, we absolutely will see um, what happens with them. And it's interesting. I, I, did you ever read that book, um, The Arm? Um, no, I did not. It sounds familiar, though. About the prevalence of Tommy John surgery among 
uh, among baseball players. It was written by that um, ESPN reporter whose name I forget. Um, Jeff Passan. Yeah, Passan. Um, and mm-hmm. it, it's also so in that book, it sort of discusses like Tommy John and um, the culture of baseball in Japan and how a lot of Japanese pitchers have come over to major league baseball. And then within the first few years end up needing Tommy John surgery. Um, you know, so can, can those pitchers stay in particular, the pitchers, <coughs> excuse me, stay healthy um, in, <coughs> as they come over into, uh, you know, the five man rotation and all that, excuse me, I, I'm coughing my, for no reason. I have no idea. <coughs> Sorry. I have a mute button too. <laughs> <clears throat> no problem. I, you know, and that's what I said. Like, I think it, it is interesting how, you know, y- you can see what they did in Japan and you can see the stats like they're on ba- baseball reference, but how that translates to what they do, their whole arsenal changes, right? As you say, they probably get coached up to throw harder and, you know, kind of, maximize I use maximize here in a negative sense right maximize their abilities um, in the short term which you know as as you said you know is detrimental in the long term as they get as they get hurt and I believe the ball is slightly different size as well if I remember I think the Japanese ball is slightly smaller yep so obviously different different grip different so different adjustments which you might not think is a that's a massive deal like and it puts right. different stress on on different parts of the body if you're throwing a different size, even slightly different size ball. Great job covering yep. for my coughing fit, by the way. That was <laughs> master class. This is what this is what you get after two years of yeah, uh, after two years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah who needs to meet? But just 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 cough, cough away. Yeah. Nobody cares. Um, all right. So let's uh, let's go ahead and look ahead to the NFL week and do yeah. our picks. We uh, I went two and one. We both went two and one, I believe, uh, uh, last week. Chiefs, man, and up twenty seven nothing. Yeah, the, chief, the Chiefs really on. got you there. The Chiefs uh. couldn't hold on there. Uh, I had uh, my my loser was Pittsburgh, who really um, that was a hard watch with Kenny Pickett going out early and Tyler Huntley going out, and so they were. Uh, B, you know, they had BC's Anthony Brown in there, mm-hmm. uh, who was, you know, I was like, oh, Anthony Brown is in. I think, you know, I'm feeling good for Pittsburgh here, and they still cannot get it done. So, um, Pittsburgh's hopes uh, went down the drain with that one. Yeah. And my hopes of a 3 and 0 week also went down the drain. Um, do you, I know that you were, uh, you were doing it live a little bit. So let me know if you want yeah, me to, uh, I, I'm, I'm, up, uh, I'm ready to go. Um, okay. So I'm going to stick with the Homer move. I'm going to pick the jets at home on an even, uh, even line against the lions. Um, the lions of their seven losses. Um, I believe four of them are against top five defenses. The jets have, uh, the number four defense in the league right now. And I, I think they have the ability to uh, to at least slow down the Jets offense, or excuse me, uh, the, uh, the Lions offense and the Jets offense uh, should be able to capitalize on, on a pretty leaky uh, Lions defense. So I, I'm a little surprised that, uh, you know, I'll, I'll uh, be careful how I say this based on what happened last week. I'm a little surprised that the Jets aren't like the typical minus three at home. Um, so all they got to do is win the game. I think they're going to do that. So I'll pick the Jets at home. I am also on the Jets at a pick them. Uh, Goff is a great quarterback in a dome. He is going to go out in the weather in yeah, northern New cold. Jersey, yeah. it's going to be cold. It's it's probably it doesn't look like rain necessarily, but it's going to be a cold cold day um, on bad turf against a good defense. I think you know Goff is tiny hands. Goff is going to flare up again, um, and I, I like I like the Jets in a pick'em here. Uh, I, I went back and forth on this, but I, I think I think. I think the Jets are the the side to get it done with 
uh, Mike White not nearly facing as much pressure as he faced in the past. Yeah, two weeks. hopefully he's he's fully healthy. Everything that I'm seeing is is that he's going to play um, after getting just sandwiched a couple times last week. Oh man, brutal, brutal legal, legal hits, one hundred percent. Yeah, just you could just you, know. you feel the feel the pain in your like spleen Ugh. just watching. Yeah, that. the second one yeah. especially. So, um, yeah. yeah, if is. You know, I guess it's as and as long as Mike White is healthy and playing kind of pick, but uh, we're gonna go with all the reports that say he should be good to go. And all right, we're both on the Jets. Um, okay. I'm gonna stick with uh, another team that I picked last week and uh, go with the Bengals um, <laughs> minus three and a half on the road against the Buccaneers. Bucks are fading. Bengals are surging. Um, they got that monkey off their back with, uh, the win, um, over, over the Browns last week, which they I guess Burrow hadn't beaten in his whole career. So, uh, let's do it. Bengals, uh, minus three and a half. Did I, did I sense a chuckle that you're also picking them? Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is what happens when we're doing the same thing for two years. Yeah. Uh, I am also on I think that Tampa Bay might just be toast. I, I really do. Uh, <clears throat> they're just they're just not that good. And Cincinnati is playing great. Tampa Bay is not playing good at all. Um, I the three and a half doesn't doesn't really scare me. I think this one is gonna might move up even further. So, um, I am on Cincinnati as well. Okay. All right. Do we have a difference here? Should we like we on say it on three ones? or something? Like <laughs> 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 um, I'm I'm actually still trying to figure mine out. I guess. Um, okay. All right. I'll, so I'll go. go I'll go. I'll go. I have mine ready. So I'm gonna go Minnesota minus four at right. home against Indianapolis on Saturday. Uh, on Saturday afternoon and one o'clock Eastern. I think Minnesota is still good. I think you know we we kind of spent all all week with that line thinking about how Minnesota is not that good. Mm-hmm. Um, so I I still think they are a good. They're going to be at home. They're going to be playing against an Indianapolis team who has shown not a tremendous amount uh, with Jeff Saturday a coach and and Matt Ryan back. So I think this one is. I think I still think this one is Minnesota. I'm a little bit nervous going over a field goal with Minnesota because every game they play is like like under a field goal. Um, But I think I, I think I like Minnesota here in a bounce back spot where everybody is now out on Minnesota. Uh, I think they're still fine. And I think they're still better than Indy. Okay. Um, I will not pick that game. Um, Okay. Was not one of the ones I was deciding between. And I think, um, I think what I'm going to do is I will pick. Uh, no, I'm going to I'm going to stick with what I I was going to. I was thinking. Here's where my mind was at. I'm between this Ravens Browns game and um, the Monday night game Rams at Packers. And I was thinking maybe I'd go with the Rams, but then maybe again, you know, Baker Mayfield will Baker Mayfield. So. Um, give me the Ravens plus two and a half at the Browns. Um, the return of JK Dobbins. Um, they, you know, they survived the week and won. Um, they seem to find ways to win and they, you know, they don't even have to win this one. They just have to keep it under a field goal. Uh, so, I, I think they have a real a real shot at winning that game on the road against the Browns. Um, so I'll take the uh, I'll take the Ravens there. Okay, that that one's interesting. Um, I think Tyler Huntley's going to be back for that one. Yep. Um, and Cleveland uh, has, you know, beat Houston despite not scoring an offensive touchdown. Um, Deshaun Watson looked a little bit better this week, but still, you know, has one of the worst numbers, uh, you know, as an offensive quarterback, um, Jacoby Brissett was really much better than him numbers wise. So he's still getting his feet under him. That game is a game that I was like, I really have no idea what to do with this one. So, um, but I think if you're getting them, getting them plus three, uh, you know, uh, very easily could be a push 
or or even or even closer where you take the win. Yeah. So yeah, we'll give uh, yeah battle a battle ahead over heart here on this one. But uh, yeah, I'll I'll stick with that one. Give me the Ravens. Yeah, yeah. Not not a lot of uh, not a lot of really juicy lines that look like they're very easy to to take advantage of here. Yeah, a lot of um, um a lot of strange. 14 a couple there's a 14 pointer out there uh yeah so those that was a tough week yeah tough week of picked any any game i guess you're specifically looking forward to here that we haven't talked about um i guess this bills dolphins game is uh, that's a big game um the line is rather sizable seven and a half um minus seven and a half for the bills it is it is there. The Dolphins have been sputtering. You know, the Bills did beat the Jets. They didn't, you know, dominate. Um, right. They were outgained. The Bills were outgained. Um, forced uh, forced a couple key turnovers that that spun the game in in their direction there. So I'm a little worried about them, but the Dolphins don't look good. And and there was a rumor that they had heaters on the sideline last week when it was 50 degrees. Um, <laughs> so that's just it's going to be 20 on right. Saturday night in Buffalo. Um, I also heard there could be a couple feet of snow for this game, which would make it fun. There's all, all, always always a risk there. I love a snow game on a Saturday night um, in in December and. Buffalo's offense got better once Quinn and Williams went out injured for the Jets. Yes. And Quinn and Williams is not walking through the door in Miami. They do have Bradley Chubb, who they got from Denver. Um, but there's a difference shown... between coming off the edge and this this yeah. massive guy coming directly at your face. Like right. that's the Aaron yeah. Donald, like uh not that Quentin Williams or you know is is Aaron Donald yet, but yeah, it's that that yep. interior defensive lineman presence is is you can't say enough about it. Right. And I think, you know, and with how how much of a good runner Josh Allen is, the edge rushers are coming at him and he can, you know, see and run away where uh ed, pressure coming right up the middle, you're pretty much, you know, where are you gonna go other than backwards or yeah. you know, down to the ground. <laughs> exactly. So um all right. Anything else? Uh, anything else we're keeping an eye on this week? Um, I think uh, we just got the World Cup and and uh, and a possible snow game. I guess. Yeah. So the World Cup final is going to be on Sunday afternoon, Sunday two p.m. afternoon. Um, so, is that right on Football Sunday? Okay. So it's shaping up for a very Sunday because yeah, it's in November, um, and. Yes. I'm I'm not used to this. Um so we've got bowl games starting yeah. as well. Um start a bowl season it, too. Start a bowl season. NFL is on now on Saturday and Sunday, triple hunter on Saturday, plus Thursday, plus Sunday. Uh can't escape it. It's everywhere. It is um after, you know, kind of a slow Saturday, the Army Navy game is the only thing on. Um we have a whole bunch of stuff. So <laughs> Keep your eyes glued to the World Cup final and a big weekend of football and keep your ears glued to Dynasty Sports Empire, the podcast. And we'll talk to you next week. You got it. All right. So give me when's your... Our, quick... When's our first one? When's our first, uh, when's our first bowl game? Oh, I was just going to say, give me, your, give me your picks here. Friday at 1130, okay. Miami, Ohio, 6-6 six and six at UAB, University of Alabama, Birmingham, also 6-6, six six, UAB minus 11. Wow. Okay. Give me uh, Miami of Ohio. Yeah, I'll take those points. Absolutely. Yeah. Give me the um, plus eleven in a, in a random bowl game on 11, 11 o'clock. That's in the right. And then three <laughs> o'clock in the afternoon that day, number twenty-five, UTSA. Uh, so University of Texas San Antonio against number twenty-four, Troy. Both teams are eleven. Troy minus two. The over is fifty-five and a half points. So this is uh, by the way Luth trading pure bowl. That one's definitely covering that plus 11. Um, I'm going to go with Detroit. Minus two on that one. That's that's where I'm at. All right. I, lock those in. We, we are both in. I should be writing these down. Yeah. All right. We, uh, could, we could do a bowl, a bowl, uh, bowl competition. Oh, man. There's a bunch on 
on the 17th. There's one, two, three, four, five, six games on. Wow. All right. Well, we might have to do that. Uh, upload our picks off air. Yeah, we're, not, we're never going to make it through the, through the outro that way. No, no. <laughs>